This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Hey, everybody. Best of the season to you. We're getting ready. In the home studio, you've got over my left shoulder, you have simply a nice Christmas tree. You have the window. It's got some snow outside. Off behind me, over to the right, that fireplace is roaring, giving us that feel, and of course, a chair to cuddle up in. And we hope wherever you are at home, you will do that, watching on AMI-tv, listening in on AMI-audio around the world. Ramya Muthan, my co-host, and Ram, we'll get right to the business at hand here, yep. because you're up first in our day of great content, which we'll tell you all about. First, folks, the results of the holiday polls are in. We'll start as we spread the joy through the AMI uh, programming today here on Kelly and Ramya as we go through the show. Ram, first thing up, you've got the answer to yay or nay to eggnog. That's right. And so these are, of course, our friends from AMI who have gathered responses from, and we're going to have a lot of fun with this. This one's pretty simple, right? Yay or nay to eggnog? We got six votes for yay, four for nay, and then there's some really special one. One meh, this was not part of the <laughs> original ask, but somebody said, can I say meh? Also, three who specified only with rum, Captain Morgan, if you're Trudy Butler, and one who said, and this was Cassandra from marketing, oat milk eggnog is great, but otherwise pass. So uh, I guess we got mm. some customizations of eggnogs as well. Respect. Respect. Wow. I, I love the broadness of this oat, oat milk. Is that, what, yeah. is that what she said? Oat or oat oatmeal? milk? Ugh, oatmeal. Oat milk. No, oat milk know, instead of regular. Yeah. Could you imagine? I guess that? it would be like wow. a vegan. Wait, how could it be vegan if it has yeah. egg in it? I don't know. Follow but up. It may not have egg in it. Wow, we'll have to check that out. Mm -hmm. uh, so, folks, awesome. Rum said she'll go through these through the show. So, let's get to what's coming up on today's program. We have our yearly Christmas trivia today with Quizmaster Grant Hardy running things up. That's going to be really fun. Also, Fern Lullum is here with a very fun skit. It's all about the Christmas chaos with your family. Uh, we're going to get to that. This time, Josh is featured in it. Oh, wow. Cool. His first time. And on our showcase segment, we get to poems, stories, and messages by various Kelly and Ramya contributors on the program. Now, folks, we'd like to welcome in Jeff Ryman, as we usually do kicking this show off, as he is going to bring us the top Google searches of the year. Jeffrey, welcome back, and the best of the season. Best of the season, guys. It's always a pleasure to do this. It's uh, it's one of those fun segments that you know I, I enjoy putting together. So, of course, like you said, Kells, it's the top Google searches of 2023. Now, all you have to do if you want to look up this yourself, you just type in top Google searches, and Google will pop it open for you. You can also categorize it by various different countries, or you can just do it from the global perspective. So in this instance, guys, I'm just doing the Canadian top Google searches. So here we go. We'll start off with probably my favorite, the athletes. Um, any guesses to who the top athlete was? Maybe, Kells, you might have a, an idea oh, of who heavens. this could be. Could it be cricket? Well, can we guess the sport first? You could if you want. Go for it. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's definitely <laughs> soccer. Oh. It's not. It's not soccer. It's not? No. You know, no, you know what? Soccer Saint Saint Clair. 
Hmm. No, actually, she didn't even crack the top five. Oh wow! Um, kind of oh, Connor Bedard, maybe. Connor Bedard's uh, up there. He's number two, but number uh, one no. on the list is Demar Hamlin. Of course, he had wow. the medical episode okay. in the yes. Buffalo Bills Cincinnati game yeah. earlier this year. Scary, scary scene. He was the number one uh, most searched. Connor Bedard, yeah. number two. Travis Kelsey, number three. Of course, um, one Makes of the sense. greatest football players in the game right now. And of course, he's dating Taylor Swift, so that's you know making okay, headlines. Okay, that's obviously why. Uh, nah, but, nah, T Swift you put him on the same map. With Come number on. one. My my head got confused <laughs> when we say Canadian searches. I went to oh, I need to come up with Canadian people. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Yes. No, you, Jeffy, you should have led with that. The one dating Taylor Swift. That's what you just should have said. No, no. That's number three. <laughs> we need, we, that's number we need three. to put respect on his name. Oh, that wasn't even number one. Yeah. I'm sorry, no, guys. No, no, that's number he's three. Number three. Lost me. Uh -huh. We got uh, up so next, we don't lose time. Pal. Yeah. Yes. Up next is news and events. Uh, the number one here is a sporting oh. um, piece is the Women's World Cup. Women's World Cup is the most Google searched um, under news and events category. The ICC oh. Cricket World Cup was number two. Um, the war in Israel and Gaza, number three. Mm. Um, so, you know, no surprises really there. Um, some people that were Googled, this one kind of comes as a surprise and he pops up everywhere, is Jeremy Renner, um, yep, celebrity. Sure. Obviously, he's been in a bunch of different things over the past year, but he's popped up, you know, if you check out these lists, he's all over the place. So he's been Googled uh, a bunch. Number two is Danny Masterson of that 70s mm. show, uh, The mm -hmm. Ranch. Obviously, he came into some trouble earlier this year as well. Right, yeah. um, people who passed, I think this one was pretty obvious, especially Matthew Perry. from a Canadian. Yes, from a Canadian perspective as well, Matthew Perry was number one. Um, and then also just to finish off with a bit of a Canadian flair here, um, you know, you, you can type in what or who or why, and then Google will try to fill out the rest for you. Um, these ones are always funny because this one's super Canadian. So under the why category, number five on the, you know, if you type in why is why do moose shed their antlers? And, you know, scavenging <laughs> through these lists uh, from a Canadian's perspective, oh, wow. um, that was the number five most Googled why. So again, why do moose shed their antlers was the number five search under the why category. So I don't know, guys, that's pretty Canadian. I don't know how much more Canadian you can get. And I don't really know why people would search that, but... Hey, you know what? Um, more power to them. Curious wow. minds. It, that's incredible. Yeah, very curious minds. And we were talking about moose with Mark the other day. So, oh, yeah. Uh, how things circle around. Jeffrey, the best to you and yours for the Christmas season and into the new year, pal. Thank you. Yes, of course, to you guys and to our audience and everybody else. Thanks, happy, Jeffrey. Uh, happy holidays and happy new year. Yeah, thank you very much, Jeff, for everything he does on our program to make things happen, all that magic in behind, ladies and gentlemen. We'll step aside for a moment as we continue our Christmas show. Very tight to time today on it, folks. What are some great plants for giving and receiving during the holidays? Gardener Susan Kearney will let us know after this. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Rolling our way through our holiday kitchen party, or shall I say, 
kitchen less party. But <laughs> folks, we've got that feel for you. We've got some more poll responses here from Ramya. We're choosing the fruitcake versus the Yule log. Rum? Oh, God, this was hella controversial. So three <laughs> votes for food cake, uh, fruitcake, nine for Yule log. And I will say, the people who chose fruitcake were very kind. The people who chose Yule log always had some snide remark about how yucky the well, fruitcake is. Remember David is. Arrington? Did you count him already, too? In that? Uh, no. Ten, right? So he ten. ten. My oh, goodness. Oh. Double digits. That's a first. Uh, okay, one for rum fruitcake. We already talked about that, right? Yes, Black cake, sure. rum cake. Okay. And then uh, there's some fun, uh, honorable commentary here. Andy says, Yule log, because my dad was a baker and made hundreds every holiday. Uh, as kids, we ate many damaged goods, in air quotes. And Eliza says that her ancestors, her Italian ancestors, would disown her if uh, she didn't pick fruitcake. So it kind of seems like a resentful vote. And Sarah Hillis <laughs> says that it's got to be fruitcake mince pies or Christmas pudding. And there are also these very strange candies called Misty Mints. She loves oh. them, but she doesn't know where they come from, where they are now, if you can find them anywhere, or if any part of them are actually mint, because it tastes like chocolate and mint all in one, but she doesn't know if it's real or not. A little Fantastic. bit scary. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Rum. Uh, is that that's it? Or so do you got yep. another? That's it. Okay. Let's get on to gardening, folks. We bring on Susan Kearney. Hello, I'm Susan Kearney. Join me on Kelly and Ramya for the joy of gardening by using touch, taste, scent, and sound. Susan, we've been having a ball talking about some great Christmas plants, things that give us that feel. Today, we're talking about the surprise saffron crocus and Christmas plants that you have. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I'm going to uh, step in with the, the Misty Mints. I remember those too, and I think you might be able to get them at shops that sell um, British candy. Ah, <laughs> makes sense. What were they oh, like? Yeah. Well, you know what they they were um, they were yes chocolate, but with um, uh, layers of um, cre creamy creamy mint. Um, in them, okay. and yes, I'm not, I'm not probably a lot of food coloring too. Not really right. sure, but yes, I, <laughs> I do I do remember those. And yes, I think um, where um, the British can British candies. I think you might be able to get them at um, shops Any like Brit that. store. Wow, that's cool. Yes, yes. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. That's a wonderful. Because I don't quite remember them. I'm sure I've floated, seen them around, but who knows? Mm -hmm. So, where do you want to start today? Well, I'm going to start with my. Um, I, I found it a really a, a lovely gift. Um, the um, my my uh, saffron crocus gave us one beautiful big purple bloom, and uh, mm. we got four strands of saffron out of it. Um, it's orange, and uh, we've used two of the strands and put them into uh, an airtight container to keep them fresh. And uh, and we've been using them. So I, I've got a lot of growth in the um, two large containers that I did of the saffron crocuses, but I have not actually um, only the one, only the one bloom. So, I, but I I think that's a lovely gift. That is. Yeah. So how big? Yeah. Yeah. How Very big is it? Proud of that plant. Oh, it was about the size of a. Very small, um, very small cup. Um, they opened okay. up 
uh, yeah, it was it, it opened up to be quite about the size of a very small little little teacup, uh, about that size, maybe a little smaller than that. But that's what it reminded me of when it when it mm. opened up. Very delicate. I did have to get someone to help me take out the saffron uh, because it's. All the stamens in the saffron, they feel the same, uh, sort of stringy in the center. So we had to get um, the, I had to get someone to help me take those out. But uh, it, that was that was very exciting. A lovely gift. Nice. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you want to talk about some of the. Um... This is kind of part two, right, Susan? We were talking about gifts, plants that may be gifted to you through the holidays, caring for them, uh, and it makes a lot of sense. I'm actually taking care of some of these plants right now for a neighbor who's out of town. So that's like a temporary (laughs) gift. So what are we talking? Succulents. Okay, succulents. Um, I find um, gifting a a succulent is is a good plant because they're... Yes, they're easy. They're easy to take care of. Uh, they're not fussy at all. Uh, they like their. Um, they don't need a tremendous amount of watering, so that's that's a good thing, and and they're very fun. You can take off a little bit of um, a branch of a succulent and put that into soil. Uh, I often will start mine in water, but you can put it right into the succulent soil, and um, it, it will grow. Uh, and they're they're rather amazing, and they're mm-hmm. also fun to touch. Um, I was just going to ask you about the textures. Yeah. They have the most. Yeah, they do. Different sh- the leaves can be different shapes. Um, they 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 feel really interesting. There's I, I've actually got one of which I do not know the name of, uh, but it's actually furry <laughs> and i don't know the name i don't know the name of it someone gave it to me uh, about a year ago and it was slow growing uh, but um when you touch its leaves and even its stems it's it's kind of furry now it, it will um uh, the 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 fuzzy parts if you brush it the wrong way it will stick on, on on your hands and it's a little bit a little bit painful you have to wash your hands but uh if if you know which way to um touch the, the leaf it's it's not so bad yeah, but yeah, yeah it's almost like cool. petting like a pet or like some creatures the wrong way like you just like a, like yeah. petting a porcupine the wrong way um <laughs> yeah. so can yeah. you tell a lot of difference in succulents like as you know them if you go and touch someone else and say, can you say, oh, this is so-and-so, in, in most cases because of the distinctness. Well, no, you know, um, I don't know many of the names, and I suppose that somebody who actually grows succulents all all the time, I have a tremendous amount of them. I think I have about 40 or 50 now, um, probably even more than that, and, and many more sitting in pots of water to be um, planted. Because uh, I just keep on taking pieces off them and and growing them, I don't know a lot of the names of them, but they that is one thing that i i I've never actually researched that, and I do remember one time buying a very large tray of different types of succulents at um at Canada Blooms and bringing it home. And they they were all in little tiny wee pots, and repotting them and growing them, and um, some of them I still have some I've given away as um, as gifts, but uh, I don't even think the person selling them knew all the different um, the the different names of them. They're they're a fun plant. Uh, they're 
they're sort of in between a cactus and um, and and plants that are not succulents. Excellent. Um, anything else with them, or where do you want to go now, Suze? Well, um, I, I thought maybe it's rather interesting. If if you want to start, uh, let's say, a, a young person off on figuring out what they would like to uh, grow, mm-hmm. um, or even having a plant in their in in their own room, uh, they can take care of. Um, succulents are a very good idea, and the reason being is that they're. If you knock one of the leaves off, you just pick that up, put that back in the soil, it will grow. So that's not going to upset a, a, a young person who just accidentally might knock a, a leaf off. It's not going to bother them. Um, if they forget to water it uh, for a week, it's not going to hurt that plant because uh, once you put water in, they usually bounce back. Uh, also, they're, they're fun to um, have uh, on a on a windowsill or on your desk, and they don't give discouragement. Let's put it that way. So, right, so I, I right. think if you want to start off a young person to get them interested in growing something, um, interested in looking after a plant, I I suggest uh, going with uh, a, a succulent. Okay, I they, really they hold a lot of water in those. Yeah. Yeah, which can be, you know, can be worrying if you're not necessarily used to it, thinking, uh, is this okay? Um, But, uh, Susan, I really do enjoy that um, kind of gift version of succulents you can get now. Like, there's so many cute containers or rocks, like they carve into rocks where uh, you can put the succulents in. Also, like, you can buy things that look really, really nicely put together, arrangements of succulents uh, of different varieties. So there's... And like you said, like you've been saying this entire conversation, it is one of the easier things to gift someone, even if they're not sure that they can carry a plant forward. (laughs) Yes, that's that's right. And and when you're talking about the the rocks, um, because you can get some really pretty colored, um, colored rocks, like different stones, and then just put the succulents in. in And and also, yeah, different shapes of, um, I I do know that um, a a few months ago, someone told me they were at a wedding, and and someone gave them uh, heart-shaped, Everybody got these little gifts of a heart-shaped container with a little succulent in it. Now, I thought that was rather cool. So yeah. sweet. And there was well, no especially soil, with the durability, in, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, and it's nice to get something living. It's mm. it's it's a cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I think what you, I love what you said about a room, especially someone going off to university or college who may just want something in there to not have to worry because they're going to forget. And and that's the thing about it all. <laughs> Suze, as usual, this is splendid. Um, the best yeah. to you. I know you've done a lot of uh, yes. <clears throat> centerpiece work and stuff like that. We've benefited from them. The best of the holidays to all of you. Yes, and to you too. Talk to you in the new year and continue these wonderful yeah. conversations. Our gardener, Sue Kearney, joining us on Fridays right here on Kelly and Rumya. Another holiday question before we go to break here, folks. Mm-hmm. Rum, could you handle this one? Describe your favorite or least favorite Christmas sweater. What did you get in responses to this? We got some adorable and sentimental answers to this question, okay? So Andy Frank, also known as Mr. F around here, uh, manager of AMI-audio, wrote a nice one. He said that the one that I wear around the Christmas holiday parties features three glasses of red wine and has two tartan red and black pockets at my hips, which I always joke is 
for my smokes, eh? Also, <laughs> Marcus McCracken, our accessible gaming contributor, says, I don't get Christmas sweaters, and honestly, I'm grateful for that because I've seen some of them that people do get, and no, not for me. Caitlin from our control room says, my favorite Christmas sweater was a gift from my dad. He is a massive Star Wars fan, and for Christmas one year, he got my family all matching Baby Yoda Christmas sweaters. It's nice. got a big portrait <laughs> of Baby Yoda in the middle, some other Star Wars-themed images and graphics, and the words, all I want for Christmas is Baby Yoda. That sounds cute, not tacky at all. And then we got just like a whole bunch of responses um, shouting out, you know, lights, Christmas lights on the front, and people saying, I don't have Christmas sweaters, but if I did, they would have lights on them. So, you know, the tackier, the better kind of thing, right? Just leaning right into it. Funny you said that, because that's what I was thinking, if I had any, but I wouldn't want someone to give me one, because I would not be able to tell how seriously ugly it might be. However, it doesn't have to be ugly. Some of those are just, like you said, so sentimental. Do you yeah, have any? sentimental. No, I don't, but it, that reminds me, one I didn't mention was from Beth Deer, who will join us later in the show. She said that her favorite is the one that her partner Cody wears, that he knit himself in high school. It sounded nice. very colorful from the description. It, she said it clearly doesn't fit him anymore, but he puts it on, squeezes into it every year. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And that's the joyous of it. It doesn't matter. It's a Christmas mm -hmm. sweater. On the other side of the break, folks, Google will turn off cookies for 30 million people in January. What does this mean? And should we be concerned about it? John Beeler has the details for us on our app update next. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. This weekend over on The Pulse, ladies and gentlemen, lots of great action for you. 2 p.m. Eastern time, Saturday and Sunday, 11 a.m. Pacific, for The Pulse's annual Christmas story. This year, The Gift of the Magi by O. Henry. That's The Pulse this Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, over on AMI-audio, ladies and gentlemen, also available via podcast, so subscribe to them, and as a YouTube podcast. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. We're going to get into our app update now. This is a usual fly Friday staple with John Beeler. Hi, I'm John Beeler, technology expert from Vancouver. Join me on Kelly and Ramia, where I share the latest app, mobile, and tech news. Everything from accessibility and product launches to privacy and security. We'll cover the gamut. John, we've kind of picked some... Uh, getting a little plural, as Kelly would say. You've kind of picked... <laughs> <laughs> some uh, end-of-year type stories, you know, kind of wrapping up 2023 or looking ahead to 2024. So let's get into it. The first one, quite obvious, uh, how Twitter died in 2023. <laughs> this is the catch. And X may not be far behind. Uh-oh. Tell us. Yeah, this is, you know, I think we're all a little sad, maybe a lot uh -huh. sad about... Uh, our beloved Twitter going the way of the dodo. Um, oh, sad. Th thanks to Elon uh, and him basically just driving it into the ground. Um, I don't even know where to start. There's been literally on a weekly basis all year since he took over uh, some bit of craziness that has happened uh, over there uh, where he's either um, really... Uh, really just disenfranchised all his advertisers that 
pay the bills. He's he's done things like replatforming people that were previously banned, which irritates the existing users of Twitter slash X. And, you know, just a constant barrage of um, problems, especially the last few weeks. Uh, we've seen a number of major outages happening on X, uh, mm-hmm. clearly due to the fact that he's basically fired most of the staff and there's just a bare bones crew that are left behind keeping the lights on, so to speak. And, you know, when you combine all of these things, um, there's just been a mass exodus of people from this platform to others. There is no clear winner yet, though, Um, although in recent weeks, there's been a surge of downloads of threads as people have bought into the idea of using threads as an extension from their Instagram accounts. And we've talked before about how they've made some changes to make it a little bit more enticing for people where it's kind of disconnected from your Instagram account um, and separate from your Facebook accounts uh, as well. So um, and then also adding things like being federated into the Fediverse. So that means things like Mastodon are very soon going to be very compatible with threads. So I think this is shaping up to be uh, 2024 will be the year of threads and 2023 will be the death of Twitter. Mm. Sad. So sad. I, I I enjoy Twitter. I also am one of those people that oh, I don't want to have to learn something new and I know it's going that way. I'm not certainly as afraid of it, but we saw it when so many of the people in the disability community, John, screamed and said, look, man, you're letting all the people who work on accessibility go. What's that mean for yeah. us? That was for us was that tipping point that, hey, man, we're sliding off the table of importance with this with, with Twitter or X. Yeah, the intention. Yeah, exactly. The intention behind uh, Elon Musk's, you know, takeover just was sketchy from the very beginning, right? We were losing people. Not even. I think that he was being very clear and, you know, adamant about certain things. And we were very frustrated on that front as well, right? Like, he was just saying a lot of things that were contrary to what we believed Twitter was. Uh, His, uh, like, the changes he was wanting to make were so extreme um, on one end of the spectrum. And people just weren't on board. Like, you saw the boycott from the very beginning. Mm, so it seems yeah. to me, he came on board wanting to tinker like a toy, like a kid yeah. with a toy, and but really had no clear plan. It was oh, just little yeah. silly things that he wanted to do and then say, well, this is unfair. Let's bring Donald Trump back. Let's do... And just make you say, yeah. what the hell are you doing to us? Even just the extreme way he bought it over, like, took over it, it was, right. you know, harsh from the beginning, oh, right? Made a joke of it. Mm-hmm. Well, it just, it just sort of... I highlighted the fact that he clearly didn't even understand at a fundamental basis how Twitter actually worked. No. Yeah, yeah. No, the average no, person. Exactly. Because uh, mm. he, he kept making changes that made no sense whatsoever, like removing headlines from links so you at least know what the link is going to be before mm. you click it. Mm-hmm. Like, what rational person thought that was a good idea? Yeah, <laughs> it was just to tinker, to tinker. Like it was, if, if you didn't know any better, is someone else hiring you to kill Twitter so they can move on yeah. with threads or something? Like, it's just so ridiculous. We were just basically Um, left to assume that he was doing this because he could, period. That was it. He had the money, he had the power, and he was going to do it, and whatever reasons beyond us. Yeah, and, you know, hey, man, I can buy this and destroy it if I want to. Exactly. Uh, Your second topic, Google will turn off cookies for 30 million people on January 4th. Yeah, that sounds like a big number, but it's actually only 1% of Chrome users. Holy. Um, which is interesting. So what this is, is this is Google's long uh, talked about anticipated change away from cookies uh, in the browser. 
which is how all of these advertisers track you across all these different places. And, and essentially what they've done it to replace it in Chrome is the browser itself now is going to be tracking you. And what it's going to do is it's going to actually sort your uh, browsing activities into different categories or buckets. So for example, your ad topic bucket might be a yoga fan or a young conservative or you know whatever it is you're interested in, it'll put you in a bucket and then all the advertisers will have access to these buckets. But you're not going to know what kind of bucket you're in and you have no way right. of controlling what that bucket is or what it says about you. So uh, obviously, this is not a good thing for people, and Google is trying this as a test with 1% of their users January 4th, and you're not going to even know if you're one of those people until you get a prompt on January 4th or thereabouts saying, hey, you're part of this new thing, um, and, and essentially, it's just going to be really interesting. What people have been saying online is that basically this is going to force people to switch to other browsers, whether it's Safari or Firefox or you know, Brave or Opera, one of these other platforms uh, that doesn't use this system because it's so black box and it's so, um, uh, I don't think it's a privacy issue because it's mm. nothing new, but it's oh. just more of a case of like, well, I don't know why I'm being served these ads and I have no control over it. Uh, we talked about, uh, I think maybe even a couple of years ago, about a, a tool that Firefox came out with that allows you to sort of skew your um, cookie sort of patterns by launching like a, literally a couple hundred web pages tabs at once in various different niche kind of uh, audiences. So it's basically skew yourself to be like a, a fancy sports car enthusiast. Right, or, yeah. Right. You know, yep. those kinds of things. That's not going to work anymore because this is based on the browsing history of of uh, what you're actually doing. And I imagine there's probably some AI in there to do some sort of uh, mm -hmm. summations of all this stuff as right. well. So to define you and put you into your state. bucket. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think everyone wants to know what their bucket is. Yeah, Well, sure. that's it, right? Like we... It's not even that we don't appreciate algorithms. I'm thinking of other, you know, way far from this scenarios like streaming services. It's not even like we unappreciate that. I think it's just we need to know we can get rid of things that don't follow this theme or, uh, you know, there's an opt-out situation. Like, That's I right. can appreciate Netflix being like, this is for you. But if yeah, I didn't this is like something it, you might like. yeah, this is something yeah. you might like. Yep. But if I don't like it and you keep suggesting it for some reason, and it, it, it's kind of like this uh, rabbit hole, right? It, yeah. <laughs> they'll keep feeding it to you, feeding it to you. It exponentially gets bigger and bigger. And then you're thinking, dude, this is not even uh, part of what I want. And there isn't an opt out, is there, John? When it comes to because you're just being told you're moved over this, this is an experiment, have fun. And they'll, it'll determine yeah, what there, where As far you as I belong. can tell, there's no way to opt out. At least the good platforms that have algorithms, you if you get presented with something, even Netflix, you can say, I'm not actually interested in this type of exactly. content. You can thumbs down. Um, and and mm -hmm. that will then further refine your algorithm. Do you think that, I mean, this is kind of far-fetched, but do you think knowing uh, this company and kind of the history of it, do you think that they will phase in an opt-out feature? Uh, System? I, it's interesting because this, I mean, a lot of people forget Google makes its money from this kind of system. Okay, and yeah. It. So it'd be very interesting for them to let you opt out of the main primary source of revenue for them. Um, but it, it, it's, it remains to be seen exactly how 
um, this is going to be implemented because uh, we haven't used it yet. No one's used it yet. Yes. There, there is some hints that uh, when this um, tracking protection is on, is what they call it, uh, there's a little eyeball logo in the URL bar. So you'll know it's on uh, and then it's basically tracking uh, your your activities. Um, and I think this doesn't even, like, you, there's no way around this. Like you can't go in incognito mode. Right around this like you said about cookies at least people had the sense that if they said no i i want to opt out then you might not be able to get all of everything off that site or right. you it made people think they were still going to lose out but if they opted in it's okay i'll look at your little advertisements or whatever you throw up or whatever you try for the benefit of having full access and i think that this here is just no there's no option at this time yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens in Europe because Europe has sort of been the barometer for mm. these kinds of activities, and they are generally the first to basically put up a red flag and or you know ban these activities, uh, you know, and then the rest of the world sort of follows suit uh, with anything to do with privacy and and these opt in opt out kind of features. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, I'm curious about their priorities because I was, you know, you'd saying that they make their money off of this stuff means do they even care how we feel about it, right? It's just more of the given that we're going to continue using Google, continue using their services regardless. So that's always a little bit of a red flag. Anyway, let's talk about the last one, which is Apple, uh, Apple's losing attempt to halt Apple Watch bans so what's going on this is specifically for canada no this is actually something in the u.s uh this is specifically okay. to the uh, um, the pulse oxygen sensor that is in the later models of the apple watch yeah and uh -huh. there is yep. a patent dispute with a company in the u.s oh. and this is specific to the u.s only right now and effectively right now actually just yesterday uh apple has removed the Apple Watch Series 9 and the Watch Ultra 2 from their stores. And essentially, this means that they're not allowed to sell or even repair these watches uh, while this sort of um, ruling is in place. Apple obviously is trying to fix things. Uh, the company that actually owns the patent has reached out and said, hey, we're willing to work with you. Let's fix this. Essentially, they're going to license the technology to Apple, uh, but Apple's also trying to find workarounds for this by uh, through a software uh, update to these watches, uh, which may or may not actually satisfy the requirements of this um, sales ban. Um, right. And it, it'll be interesting to see what happens after the U.S. ban is officially in place, which is actually on uh, December 24th, and then or sorry, December 26th. So Boxing Day, a big day mm. for Apple usually. Mm. Um, but uh, right now, as I mentioned, this is just for the U.S. and this is just for Apple Primary. So uh, an Apple Store, for example, can't sell this stuff. Any other stores like Walmart or Best Buy, those kind of places that would sell an Apple Watch are allowed to continue to sell their products until they've depleted their stock. So, um, and there's a good chance there's probably a lot in the supply chain, uh, you know, around the world, if not uh, in the U.S. alone. But this will be a very interesting thing that I think a lot of other countries are going to be watching to see what happens and how Apple addresses this concern. Um, and, you know, this has a pretty big impact because it this does. literally affects oh, yes. everyone much going back to the Watch 6. That's, okay, so what are the models again, the specific models? Well, the specific ones are the ones that are the current gen. Because okay. uh, Apple typically stops making the old versions. So yeah. if you do come across 
it's an older version. It's probably because it's old stock. Uh, but the mm-hmm. Watch Series 9 and the Series Ultra 2 uh, watches have been affected and specifically named in this uh, lawsuit and this uh, this ban that is part of the uh, U.S. International Trade Commission, uh, the ITC. They've denied Apple's motion to stay the ban while waiting for an appeal. And uh, so uh, this is going to be just really interesting and probably devastating to Apple's bottom line oh, when it comes gosh, to sure. Yeah. Sales for sure. Christmas. Because also, I think people might be concerned that well, maybe I shouldn't get an Apple Watch, even though I love it, um, because who knows if they're going to be even available for sale longer term. Um, this could yeah. this could really disrupt Apple. We'll see how uh, far it extends kind of thing. We'll see. Yeah. I won't know, so why buy? Yeah, it's terrible oh, because yeah. it's a whole blanketed kind of situation on the product. It's not even like one yeah. particular, you know, issue or challenge. Like I'm thinking of this comparison to how we were talking about the Tesla a couple of days ago, you know, like it, this feels very, very giant. And I mean, do you think that this would be the biggest concerning thing that's happened to an Apple product? I know the watch has had issues before. We've had uh, issues with maps before, but that's more software issues. But I think this is this isn't a uh, this isn't a failure or anything like mm-hmm. that. This is no. really just a, a, an intellectual a dispute. dispute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But nonetheless, so, right for um, the average consumer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, average but it's a big not deal. Get stuck. The big deal is exactly the headline that's below us right now is like Apple has to stop selling Apple watches. Yeah. Um, yep. And a lot of people may not understand what that means, but they always think it's something bad. Exactly. Right? Yep. Yeah. Know, and, and the people who won't even buy from Walmart and them, whether you can see it there, you'll be too scared. That's the problem with these yeah, kind of things. If it's headlines, you know, if the headline says whatever it says, as generic as it could be, how many of us are really deep diving in to figure out if it was a product issue, if it was an Apple issue, like it just automatically, kind of the way we felt about Twitter, you just stop trusting the brand and the developer, period. And you just don't want to get caught with your hand in the cookie jar Mm. and lose money. Too much money. Especially with a $500 to $1,000 device. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Regardless of how much, you know, incredible stride Apple's making with the watches, like as a wearable, so yeah yeah hopefully it doesn't kill it completely john thank you so much it's been absolutely fabulous hanging out with you every friday of 2023 and we will continue it next year as well happy holidays happy holidays to both of you thanks john john beeler joins us for our app update this is every friday on the show we cover a lot of tech news and a lot of opinions on those tech headlines as well On the other side of the break, folks, a dolphin with thumbs was spotted by scientists in the Gulf of Corinth. Mark Phoenix will be here to tell us all about it on the bus. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. He's in studio in Toronto. I'm at the home studio, London, Ontario. It's Kelly and Ramya. And our next question for you, folks, we took polls for these these answers. Do you have a special, specific way of making your festive hot cocoa, Rum? 
So generally, a lot of people said they use the package, but then we have some standout people who said hell no to the packet and said these are the absolute amazing ways to make hot chocolate. Beth Deer, uh, double the amount of chocolate powder mix recommended, pop in as many marshmallows as possible, and yeah. this is the kid-friendly version of it, add some sprinkles on top. I love it. JDP, uh, Janice Davis and mm. Prisic, um, from our marketing department, Throw in a little Baileys. This seems to be a consensus around the table, by the way. Baileys and hot chocolate. <laughs> That's why they're on vacation for a week, folks. Lots of cocoa Baileys. Cocoa also, Baileys. This was a theme of JDP's, a lot of her answers. So anyways, Cassandra <laughs> from marketing says melted dark chocolate and oat milk is superior. Yes. So oat milk yes. uh, everywhere. And then mm -hmm. Shannon McLaughlin, I top it with either a jumbo marshmallow or whipped cream and a piece of chocolate, which then sinks to the bottom of the mug and then is a melted treat to scoop out and have at the end. That sounds delicious. Grace Scofield yeah. from AMI Audio. Half hot cocoa, half coffee with whipped cream and chocolate shavings. Throw one of those mint candy cane in there and it's the perfect hot cocoa. Uh, Lynn Jandro says... Add a splash of Carrier Despoit. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but it's a maple liqueur. I'm down to try that. That's it. I'm not one for finding something in the bottom of my my hot chocolate. It scared me when I was a kid when Why, my dad used to do the dunking of cookies. But my gosh, finding a lump of chocolate like I'm that. I'm saying. That's, heaven, that's perfect, that's right? That's gold. Yeah, Ooh, minus yeah. the candy cane, though. But yeah, oh, the rest of it's not. Yeah, I'll leave you with that one. Fruit candy cane or peppermint. I'll leave that. Well, I might do the peppermint. Yeah, we're Folks, saving that argument till the end. Let's welcome in Mark Phoenix, who's filling in for Bill Shackleton. We call it the buzz. Mark, let's tap right into things. What do you have for us today? Best of the season to you, pal. Absolutely. Best oh. of the season to you and Ramya as well. Oh, you got a friend well. there. Uh, somewhere just off camera right now. Ruby, uh, she was co-host. She really? wanted to co-host for a bit. Now she kind of wants to hang out by the door. So oh. okay. we'll see if she comes right. Camera shy. She must well, think she don't have see. good stuff for us. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. Well, she's, she might like this one. Uh, this okay. is from USA Today, where a very special dolphin has been photographed inhabiting the waters of Corinth, Greece. The dolphin has uh, hook-shaped thumb-like flippers. Uh, it's been spotted twice this summer by researchers with the Pelago Cetacean Research Institute. The thumbed dolphin had no problem keeping up with the rest of its pod. It was seen swimming, leaping, bow riding, playing with other dolphins, according to the coordinator and president of the institute. It's the first time in 30 years of research on this uh, pod that uh, they've spotted a thumbed dolphin. They don't believe the thumbs are caused by an illness, merely a mutation that occurred during development. Uh, dolphins, like, other, like whales and other cetaceans, have finger-like bones inside those flippers. They effectively are fingers. They're evolved from life forms similar to hippopotamuses, their closest land-based relatives. Um, in this particular case, I mean, normally the, the flipper covers all the fingers. It seems in this particular case, that particular dolphin didn't develop index and middle fingers. The result right. being thumbs, which means it's over for us humans now that the dolphins have thumbs. Um, <laughs> but, but our uh, their little friend is, uh, you know, uh, you know, clearly having a good time out there. And it turns out this particular dolphin is part of an unusual uh, cetacean community, a mixed species group of dolphins living within the Gulf. Uh, this group has been studied since 1995. Um, the Gulf of Corinth is the only place in the world where uh, dolphins live in a semi-enclosed gulf. 
Uh, the dolphins include common dolphins and Rissos dolphins, uh, creating a mixed species dolphin society. Uh, it would be as if humans, chimpanzees, and gorillas were all chilling together in a small <laughs> town, which actually might be pretty cool. I might enjoy oh, that. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. of location. My gosh, Mark. Wow, that's really interesting. I love the science stuff. I love that angle. Thanks, mm. man, for that one. Always a pleasure to, you know, bring a little bit of the bleeding edge of uh, what's coming into our uh, knowledge uh, to you. Of course, yeah. And Those, I, the battling I, thumbs, I, man. <laughs> I will I will try to warn you if the thumbed dolphins begin to uh, build uh, their takeover invasion machines down below. Then it's really That's over right. for us. Yeah, they're kind of doing the thumbs thumb like, you know. Well, it'd be like the thumbs like old Fonzie on Happy Days, right? You know, the hey, part of those. So that's where it is, the big old thumb. Uh, what's next, sir? Well, the next uh, thing I have is from Inside EVs. Not the usual source, maybe, for the buzz, but uh, this has to do with Volkswagen, which, like many companies, jumped on the bandwagon of eliminating physical controls and shoving everything onto a touchscreen display on the dashboard, which presents very obvious safety concerns and is also something a lot of customers apparently did not like. Especially uh, owners... the blind drivers. <laughs> Absolutely. The blind <laughs> we drivers are we're, we're, we're just completely Damn, lost, man. Just, you know, we'll just wave our hands around and you know, smack things and eventually it'll work. That's right. right. <laughs> well, apparently <laughs> the, the sighted owners even have pushed back against the German automaker moving controls to large tablet-like infotainment touchscreens, as well as haptic-based steering wheel buttons instead of buttons you can actually kind of feel their edges up as you go over. So the automaker, the automaker has finally had to reverse that decision uh, with their new vehicle concepts. They are going to be, they've been trying to fix their interiors for a few years. The previous CEO uh, followed Tesla's footsteps in going the all tablet route. Um, this, according to VW, quote, frustrated customers who shouldn't be frustrated. Uh, th the uh, new interior refresh is called ID2. They're uh, going to be placing a set of uh, physical buttons below the touchscreen, um, which can be used to um, control the HVAC system. Um, there will also be knobs placed on the dash for volume controls and uh, selecting things on screen. Um, they will also be, uh, I guess, adding kind of like a texture to the buttons as well so that you can kind mm -hmm. of tell... Grip where on the controls. Yes, you can grip them without having to take your eyes off the road. Um, right. It's not a complete restoration of every last physical control, but it is a swing back toward having buttons that you can reach out for, feel for, and then push instead of having to take your eyes off the road to fiddle with the uh, the air conditioning or heating when you're freezing there at the wheel. I wonder if these people will actually remember how to use them. <laughs> Good heavens! It's like when you talk about a dial, and you thought, "What, what the heck?" But it makes it makes sense. It would be interesting to know if people, how many people now and then, years ago, actually did utilize the the feel of the knob to kind of know where they were putting it, whether it was on the frost or or whatever it might have been during the climate control messing around. But it's it's interesting, and I think we need to see this, especially on the safety level. Absolutely. It's a, and it's a necessity for universal design as well. If yeah. us blind people are eventually going to be allowed to operate vehicles in mm. the driver's seat, then the controls need to be designed in such a way that you can locate them without having to look at them. It's 
the rush to put everything on a touch screen to make it all slick and you know, near future Star Trek yep. um, runs into problems like this, where you don't want to distract, you don't want people to pull what senses they do have from trying to keep the vehicle on the road, mm -hmm. watch out for people ahead of them. And as I think uh, there's a story that came up yesterday about uh, Tesla overselling the capabilities of their autopilot, mm -hmm. you don't, for the moment, you definitely don't want to rely on these still deeply in development automatic driving systems. I know they've been trying to push full self-driving for a while. They're still going to be pushing it for a while longer. Who mm -hmm. knows when it'll oh, be yeah. ready for prime time. And that's just one company. Uh, there are multiple companies trying to promote self-driving, automatic driving systems to varying degrees of success. If there is to be hope for people, you know, of all abilities to be able to operate vehicles, then universal design has to be implemented at the control level, uh, at the interface level, uh, so that anyone can just reach out and feel around and see what's happening. What happened to voice yeah, activation? Is that even off the, on the table? That is also there, strangely, it? it's, it, yeah, it's voice quieter, activation right? is like, Why are we talking about touch screens and not about voice activation? And I think well, because we of the noise in a vehicle. We know how much of a, a multitasking vehicle. situation it is to operate a car. Period. Well, yeah, but I, I think it's the, I think it's the noises that you get around, and everybody complaining about when they say, uh, you know, yeah, call Mark, that's... calling Dark. <laughs> what? Sure. I mean, yeah, yeah it, it definitely go wrong, but I mean, it's not like there isn't a lack of sound anyway. Yeah, right? I mean, have I think it's on. still there, Rum. But I, I think a lot of people are using a lot more for their phones and stuff. But thank yeah. God for the rotor and the Apple equipment, right? On our iPhones, at least we'd know how to turn the knobs. Mark, can you squeeze one more in real quick? I can squeeze one in real quick. This is from CBC, where a woman named Paula Toledo uh, recorded a song about 20 years ago, licensed it to a TV show and a movie, and never thought about it again. Not long ago, she started getting mysterious messages, warning her for to brace for an onslaught of people trying to get in touch with her. It turns out her song was uh, placed on a bootleg Russian DVD. Uh, <laughs> the song was referenced on a Ukrainian message board, and for the next 16 years, people tried to find this song. Uh, a group on Reddit came together, to carry up the search, and one person thought to search SoCan's database for any song with the words, how long? Lo and behold, they found Paula Toledo's uh, track. Just with uh, those two oh, words? Nice. Just wild. with those two words. An un just an unbelievable wow. bit of little uh, Oh, we've all been research. in these rabbit holes, right? This is Absolutely. the most frustrating thing ever, but they found yep. it. Okay. And you go look at it, and that's media. amazing. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, it is. Anyway, the song is uh, slowly working its way onto streaming. It has many fans now, um, and uh, she's uh, she's being celebrated on the subreddit in question, having been found. Uh, she has a degree in applied psychology, which she's used to actually study um, how people respond to music, uh, which she carried a love of even after getting out of uh, recording songs. Awesome. Mark, appreciate this. Appreciate what you've been doing, filling in for Bill over the last few weeks, pal. And every time we call, you making yourself available. Uh, talk to you soon and the best to you and yours. Absolutely. Happy holidays to you, to Ramya, to everyone out there in AMI land. It's Thanks, been a Mark. blast being here and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Mark. Join us when we return in the uh, new year with the next edition of The Buzz. In the next hour, ladies and gentlemen, get ready, settle back, get that hot cocoa ready. Coming up on our showcase segment, we get the poems, stories, and messages by various Elliot Rumia contributors. And Fern Lullum entertains us with yet another original holiday skit 
featuring her partner, Josh. But up next, we have our yearly Christmas trivia with Quizmaster Grant Hardy. All ahead, hour two of Kelly and Ramya. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Of course, because this is our last live tent and um, excellent laughter and polls with fun responses going on. And the next thing on the docket is a very fun festive quiz. Now, every time we hear the word quiz, we think of Quizmaster Grant Hardy. So he's the one here to lead the show. We have three fabulous contestants joining us today, Grant, and the contestants are... Brock Richardson of The Neutral Zone and our weekly Friday sports chat. We also have Corinne Van Dusen of our bi-weekly entertainment chat. And we have Jeff Thompson, our woodworker, who joins us monthly on the show. I'm going to step back and let you guys take it away. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us on the Kelly and Ramia Christmas Quiz. The stakes are incredibly high. Are you guys ready? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Okay, so... What we're going to do is I'm going to read out a question. Uh, we're going to take turns, go around the table. I'll start with Brock. If you know the answer, uh, let us know, and you can get two points. If you need some multiple choice uh, choices, I can read those out, and you can still get one point. Uh, Brock, this is a tricky one. What is the best-selling Christmas song ever? I'll need the options. Yeah. Uh, All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey, White Christmas by Bing Crosby, or Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree by Brenda Lee. I'm going to go with Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Oh, that's a good good guess, but not quite. Uh, Corinne, do you have any idea? Uh, I'm going to say, is it the Queen of Christmas, Mariah Carey? That was my guess, but oh, no, no, it's it's all uh, White Christmas by Bing Crosby. Uh, yeah, it was written in 1942, and apparently there was one verse that was actually taken out of the song because it didn't make sense. Um, <laughs> all right, let's go to Jeff. How did the tradition of stockings by the fireplace uh, come to be? Uh, well, they would be wet, and that's where they would warm them up. And so they were there already. <laughs> uh, Brock. I will take the options. All right. Uh, uh, when it just caught on at a family gathering, uh, when gold was dropped down the chimney of the home of three poor sisters, or through popular British children's literature. I'm going to go when the gold was dropped down. B. You got it. Nice. Uh, apparently, uh, gold was dropped down the chimney of the home of three poor sisters uh, as a way to pay their dowry. Uh, very old. Uh, Corin, uh, in Latin, what did the word Noel mean before being used for Christmas? I will take the options, please. Purity, birth, or peace? Is it peace? Mm, oh. Peace, Jeff. Jeff, any idea? 
I'll go with number two. You got it. Yeah. What was number two? Birth. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh Brock, uh Santa is known as a holly jolly soul. That's all good. But what horned uh, creature punishes naughty children? I'll need the options. The Grinch, the Krampus, or St. Rick? <laughs> the Krampus? Because I don't think that, yeah. Yeah, Krampus is known as Santa's evil twin, while Jolly Saint Nick is responsible for rewarding the nice children. The Krampus is a terrifying demon-type figure that is responsible for punishing the naughty kids. I feel like I would have uh, gotten visited by him a lot, so <laughs> kind of glad that... Uh, Or here, I want to get an AI description of Saint Rick. Yeah, I think Saint Whatever Rick might is. Saint uh, Rick might be a little fiction, uh, something that doesn't exist. All right, so I'm a bit slow here. Uh, uh, Corinne, uh, in which country is the tradition of putting up a Christmas tree believed to have started? I will ask for the options, please. United States, Germany. France or England? Germany. Nice. Oh, yeah. I like that sound much more what? than the other sounds. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, the tradition of the Christmas tree is believed to have started in the 16th century when devout, devout Christians decorated trees into their homes. Let me just add that. Point. Could I be any slower with keeping score? I feel like I should dock. If you, if I was getting any points for myself, I would dock myself some points. Uh, Jeff, in the uh, song Frosty the Snowman, what made Frosty come to life? Oh, no. It was... I'll take the option, so. A silk hat, a scarf, a carrot nose, or a snowflake? It was the hat. It was the hat. You were second uh, guessing yourself, eh, Jeff? <laughs> hey. <laughs> the song was. Just gotta uh, sing written... the whole song. <laughs> exactly. I had to sing it in to... my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's amazing. I um, I uh, yeah, that song was written in 1950, so uh, not as old as I would have thought. Um, just adding up the. Points there. Uh, all right, we are on to Brock. What popular holiday plant is known as a symbol of peace and prosperity and is often associated with kissing? Oh, the mistletoe. Yes. <laughs> you got it. Mistletoe is associated with many ancient customs and was used by the Druids and in uh, ancient mythology before its association with Kissing traditions. Pretty cool. Uh, what are the uh, scores so far, Grant? Uh, you would ask me that. 
we've got uh, you, guys are, you guys are all pretty close. I've got uh, Brock and Jeff winning right now. Okay. But Corinne's got that nice two-pointer, so we'll see. Sorry, hang on one second. <laughs> Being a little, a little slow today. Uh, all right, uh, Corinne, which country is credited with the creation of the Christmas beverage eggnog? England, United States, Germany, or, oh, I gave you the choice, sorry, or France. You want to move on to another? Oh. Are yeah, you you're the... good? Okay, uh, so it's, can I have the choices one more time for eggnog, correct? Yes, England, United States, Germany, or France. Mm, is it Germany again? Oh, no. That would be too Jeff. easy. Jeff, any thoughts? I'll go with England. Yeah. Uh, eggnog or egg milk punch is believed to have originated in medieval Britain from a hot milky ale-like drink called Poset. I don't know how appetizing that sounds. <laughs> that it doesn't sounds. sound mm -mm. it. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Warm eggnog, though? That I also sounds gross. Eggnog in general. St. Rick invented it. <laughs> exactly, St. Rick invented it. They just save uh, it with rum. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Jeff, who was the author of A Christmas Carol? Favorite Christmas story? Dickens. Yeah, can you give me the first name? Oh, Charles. <laughs> Charles Dickens. Uh, it was first published in 1843 and is considered one of Dickens' most famous works and helped to popularize the, sp uh, the spread of uh, many traditions around the season. A commanding lead. <laughs> uh, all right, Brock. For which holiday movie did Bing Crosby famously sing White Christmas? Oh, movies is not my category. Mm. I'll need the options. The options are White Christmas, It's a Wonderful Life, Holiday Inn, or Miracle on 34th Street. Has to be White Christmas. Uh, I this was a really tricky one, Corinne. Thoughts? I have watched it several times, and I believe it's Holiday Inn. Oh wow! It is indeed, the song "White Christmas" was written by Irving Ber Berlin, and it won an Academy Award for the best original song. I think we've got time to squeeze in one or two yeah. more. Give Corinne all the entertainment questions, obviously. <laughs> uh, let's see. We're on Jeff. What is traditionally hidden inside a Christmas pudding? Oh, no. I'll take the options. A coin, a ring, a key, or a figurine? A ring. Mm. Rocky. A coin. Mm. In Britain, hiding a silver coin inside a Christmas pudding is a tradition that is said to bring wealth and good luck to the person who finds it. 
Uh, really quick bonus, then I'll give out the scores. Does anyone know which person on the Kelly and Ramya team hates quizzes the most? <laughs> Obviously, Kelly. <laughs> the one who's not here. <laughs> All right. You, you guys are so close. I've actually got Brock and Jeff tied at four if I did the scoring correctly. Uh, and Corinne with uh, three points. Thank you Yay. so much, everyone, for playing the Kelly and Ramya Christmas quiz. Awesome. Thanks, Greg, Thank for you. running this. Jeff Thompson, Corinne Van Dusen, Brock Richardson. You guys have such a good holiday break. Hope you are actually taking a break. And we'll catch you all in the new year. Happy Thank holidays. you. Happy New Year. Not for now. Bye. Well, that's fun. I was, uh, I'm very curious about St. Rick. Anyways, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with a very fun holiday skit from our bestie in the UK, Fern Lullum. She's got her partner, Josh, roped in on it as well. You're going to be in stitches. It's going to be a good time. Be right back. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Going through our festive holiday edition of Kelly and Rumia right now, the live last live show of 2023, and we've got a skit coming your way. Now, if you've been paying attention every year around this time to the Kelly and Rumia slash Kelly and Company shows, we always have a skit from our bestie in the UK. It is so fun. We're going to get to it, but not before I get to another holiday poll response. So the question was, give us a peek into your holiday traditions. And boy, let me tell you, people have a lot of interesting and fun holiday traditions. Marcus McCracken, our accessible gaming contributor again. Since I was little, I watched a, a movie, a classic movie called The Night They Saved Christmas. He says it's a very good family movie. So check it out if you want some more things to add to your to-watch list. JDP, uh, Janice Davidson Presick from Marketing. The Mosas on Christmas morning. What did I tell you? That theme, huh? <laughs> wink, wink. And then Cassandra from Marketing. I buy a funny ornament for myself every year for the tree. This year was Shadow from Sonic the Hedgehog. Last year was Lightning McQueen uh, from the Cars and year before was Mike Rosowski from Monsters, Inc. And it's like an inside joke with myself, and I really enjoy it. I love that idea. Often people gift me funny ornaments, but this is a kind of cool thing that Cassandra does for herself. Andy Frank, this is a really lovely sentimental one again. Helen and I have had the same three-foot-tall tree since 1990. It's lived in four cities, had eight addresses. It's so crushed, but every year we bring it back to life and hang the same little red balls and silver tinsel on it, topped with a cheesy little star. Under the tree are half a dozen miniature animals, mostly schnauzers, in gift Christmas gear. Other than the tree, we give each other really sensible gifts, like books and tech things, and we write many Christmas cards. Food is always turkey, with leftovers till February. Love it. Uh, Bethany Deer says, English pigs in blankets, sausages non-negotiable. Great. Let's get to that Christmas quiz with Fern Lullum and Josh. Is life getting you down? Every day, dull, drab, and miserable? Put some color and sparkle back into your existence with Christmas. For a limited time only, Christmas will bring you joy and pleasure galore. But how, I hear you wonder? Um, you have to say it aloud, this is radio. Oh, 
Right. But how? Well, I'll tell you. Firstly, how often do you let your loved ones know that you care? Well, surely the best way to do that is with a festive mishmash of clutter they never asked for from your local shops. Oh, how surprised they'll be and think how much you'll enjoy buying it for them. Excuse me, do you have a pink sweater with a picture of a polar bear on the front? Sorry, we just sold the last one. <sighs> OK, have you got a red hat with purple and pink sparkle baubles hanging down? Let me just check the computer. No, sorry. Oh, I can't believe it. I've only got an hour left. OK, have you got a pair of gloves that look like they might be from the Arctic? I think there was some down aisle 96. 96? Where's that? Right at the end. Oh, OK... Ninety-six. Oh, at last. Oh, look at that. Gloves that look like they're from the Arctic. Just what I was looking for. And the last one's in the shop. I don't think you'll find these anywhere else. Oh. Uh, excuse me, love. We're actually about to close now. Then, picture the excitement of taking a standard boring old tree and adding all kinds of random objects, lights and assorted ribbons to it. Don't have any? Check in that old biscuit tin that hasn't contained any edibles in a good 45 years. You're bound to find something. Decorating this tree is sure to entertain you for hours. Oh, why do these decorations never face the right way? Oh, and the tinsel's all round me. I feel like I'm tied up. Well, at least the lights are watched. Oh, faulty fuse. Now I'm in the dark. Where's that torch? Now, to climb this ladder. One, two, three... Can somebody help me up? Perhaps you should also add some decorations to those things you bought everyone. How about covering them all in obnoxiously bright wrapping and copious sticky tape to add that extra fun challenge when it comes to finding out what you've given them? Oh, God, this wrapping paper. God, what... Oh, really? The setup stuck to itself? Come on. God. Oh, good start again. I am. Um... Right. Cut, 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 cut. Oh, I made it too small. Oh. Right. Come on. Right. Great. Done it. Perfect. I mean, it doesn't look great, but. You know, it'll do. It's only going to get unwrapped anyway. Now that you've bought all those glorious prezzies, why not keep the magic going as you sneak around late at night to give your loved ones the surprise of a lifetime? Oh! Ah! Told her to move that toy! Oh, God! No, don't fall over! Oh. Mom! No, Michael, go back to bed! But what are you doing? You know what? I wish I knew. Next, how about getting everyone in your household together to play those games you haven't dusted off in years? No, you haven't felt the need for the past decade, but now could be the perfect moment. Just envision it now. It'll be fun for all the family. 
Oh, Johnny, it's my turn. No, it's not. It's my turn. Give me that dice right now. I'll come and get it. I will if you're not careful. Yeah, I'll let's see you try. You know what? You can take this game and stick it right up your... And what about that extended family member you haven't seen in years? Wouldn't you love a catch-up for old time's sake? After all, they always know the best things to say. Hi, Grandad. Oh, dearie. Are you still coming for Christmas dinner? I do believe so. I've invited some of the guys down from Bowles to come. Is that okay? Um, well... And can you come and pick us up? Uh... And do you have some of my fruit jellies? Fruit jellies? And now to the kitchen, because everyone loves food. So what about if you buy a ridiculous amount of it and try to cook most of it all at the same time? Imagine the laughs you'll have around the stove. Oh, God, there's so much to do in so little time. Oh, God, right, get put part sauce. Right, got to cut carrots. I've got to, oh, I've got to put the turkey in. Oh, oh I've, got to, I've got to do potatoes. Is the dinner nearly ready? Uh, yeah, no, no, it's not. No, no. Oh, I'm so hungry. Yeah, aren't we all? Oh, it's boiling over. Oh, my God. Oh, oh. oh I had that problem once. Have you tried dipping it in treacle? That you helps. You think I haven't tried that already? Everyone, out of the kitchen, now. But after you've had a delicious meal, how about some catchy songs, the likes of which are guaranteed to never leave your mind once they enter? Is Mum nearly out of the bathroom yet? I really need to go for a wee and she's been there for ages. I think she only knows one part of the song. Come on, Patsy. After a Christmas dinner like yours, you should know we all need to use the bathroom. But, of course, the most wonderful part of Christmas has got to be being with that special someone in your life and seeing the look on their glowing face as they unwrap their gift. Darling, I got you something really special. And after you've opened it, I want to ask you a question. <gasps> oh, my goodness, what could it be? Oh, let me open it. <sighs> Trevor, what the hell is this? What? Is it the wrong colour dishcloth? Oh. Don't ever want to forget this moment. Why not grab a picture and post it online for all to see the sheer bliss you're in so they are in no doubt that your Christmas is happy as can be. Right, everyone in the picture, want to have a smile? Let me see, let me see. Oh, uh, no, can we do one more? Because all my teeth aren't showing in that one. Oh, really? OK, fine, one more. Right, here we go. Let me have a look. Ah, uh, but... My dress has gone a bit funny in that one and my hair's all weird. Oh, your hair's always weird. Okay, we'll do... Right, this is the last one. Yeah, yeah, last one, of course. Right, ready? Three, two, one. Right. Ah, oh, but the dog's not looking in that one. Oh, the dog never looks. And to top it all off, if you're really lucky, you might even have snow. But if not, you can always create your own. Come on, guys. Come on, have a look at the snow. Oh, uh, Dad, why is there white scraps of paper all over the lawn? It's not. It's... OK, I miss recycling day. Christmas, coming soon. Grab it while you can. Christmas will only be available for 12 days. Christmas comes with a range of family issues, possible injuries, both physical and emotional, and multiple disappointments. Burn and...
And Josh, you guys, thank you so much for this. This was always a hoot for us every year. I wish we could just do like a whole hour of the skits we get from Fern and Jazz, who wasn't able to join the party this time around. But I'm sure we'll be back next year. Josh, fantabulous for stepping in. We're going to take a break and come back with the ever so famous festive showcase that we bring to you this time around with our contributors sharing poetry, reads, a little bit of music added in as well right after the break on Kelly and Ramia. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. It's the festive holiday show here. Kelly and Ramia, the last live show of 2023. But remember, we do have the primetime special that you can tune into live. Well, it's not live. It's been pre-taped. But you can tune in when it hits the airwaves for the first time at 8 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv on December 29th. That is the day. And then if you for some reason miss it because you forgot to put the alarm on. My goodness, how could you? Uh, we will have it up on AMI Plus on YouTube and on podcast Kelly and Ramia. So now it's time for our holiday showcase. We get to poems, stories, messages by various Kelly and Ramia contributors. And to help us get into the vibe, we've got Beth Deer, producer on the show, joining us. Hello, Beth. Hey, you sounded so sad that Fern and Josh's skit was over and you shouldn't be because we have such a fun lineup for I everyone. I know, I know. I tried to tell them, like, let's play it again twice in a row so you mm -hmm. can get the jokes the second time around, but it's okay. We got so much more fun stuff coming our way, yeah? Oh, yeah, we really do. So Know Your Rights contributor Danielle McLaughlin has not one, not two, but three poems for us and they all have to do with snow. Holiday party, I've uh, focused on my favorite thing at this time of the year, and that's deep snow, the sort of snow that slows everything down and stops all the noises and the troubles. And since things have been so difficult this year for so many people, I thought I would read three poems that speak to the comfort of snow. The first one is by Thomas Hardy, and it was written in 1925. It's called Snow in the Suburbs. Every branch big with it, bent every twig with it, every fork like a white web foot, every street and pavement mute. Some flakes have lost their way and grope back upward when meeting those meandering down, they turn and descend again. The palings are glued together like a wall, and there is no waft of wind with the fleecy fall. A sparrow enters the tree, whereupon immediately a snow lump, thrice his own slight size, descends on him and showers his head and eye, and overturns him, and near in earns him, and lights on a nether twig, where its brush starts off a volley of other lodging lumps with a rush. The steps are a blanched slope, up which, with feeble hope, a black cat comes, wide-eyed and thin, and we take him in. The second poem is by Emily Bronte, and it's called Spellbound. The night is darkening round me, the wild winds coldly blow, but a tyrant's spell has bound me, and I cannot, cannot go. 
The giant trees are bending their bare boughs, weighed with snow. The storm is fast descending, and yet I cannot go. Clouds beyond clouds above me, wastes beyond wastes below, but nothing drear can move me. I will not, cannot go. And the final poem is entitled London Snow, and it's by poet Robert Bridges, who lived from 1844 to 1930. So you can imagine London of yesteryear in the snow where everything would have come to a stop. When I lived in London many, many years ago, most people didn't even have a snow shovel. They didn't know how to deal with snow. I suspect things are a little different now, but um, before 1930, this is what it felt like. Again, London Snow by Robert Bridges. When men were all asleep, the snow came flying. In large white flakes falling on the city brown, stealthily and perpetually settling and loosely lying, hushing the latest traffic of the drowsy town, deadening, muffling, stifling its murmurs failing, lazily and incessantly floating down and down, silently sifting and veil road, roof and railing, hiding difference, making unevenness even into angles and crevices softly drifting and sailing. All night it fell, and when full inches seven it lay in the depth of its uncompacted lightness, the clouds blew off from a high and frosty heaven, and all woke earlier for the unaccustomed brightness of the winter dawning. The strange, unheavenly glare, the eye marveled, marveled at the dazzling whiteness. The ear hearkened to the stillness of the solemn air. No sound of wheel rumbling, nor of foot falling, and the busy morning cries came thin and spare. Then boys, I heard, as they went to school, calling, they gathered up the crystal manna to freeze their tongues with tasting, their hands with snowballing, or rioted in a drift, plunging up to the knees, or peering up from under the white mossed wonder. Oh, look at the trees, they cried. Oh, look at the trees. With lessened load, a few carts creak and blunder, following along the white deserted way, a country company long dispersed asunder, when now, already the sun in pale display, standing by Paul's high dome, spread forth below his sparkling beams and awoke the stir of the day. For now doors open and war is waged with the snow and trains of somber men past tale of number tread long brown paths as toward their toil they go. And even for them a while no cares encumber their minds diverted, the daily word is unspoken, the daily thoughts of labor and sorrow slumber at the sight of the beauty that greets them for the charm they have broken. And those are my three snow poems. I hope that in the holidays, everybody gets a bit of the peace and quiet that a deep snowfall brings. Thanks very much. Some really lovely poems there from Danielle. So impressive. I definitely just don't have voice to read poems. <laughs> Up next, we have our resident veterinarian, Danielle Jonkind, and she has sent in a delicious recipe. So let's see what she has for us. 
So I'm Dr. Danielle Jonkind, and usually I do that stuff, but uh, for the kitchen show, in honor of that, we're going to do some recipes today. And so I'm going to show you uh, my favorite sweet potato recipe. So I've just gotten out everything that we're going to need. So here's some sweet potatoes. I like the long thin ones for this. Uh, some plain goat cheese, cranberries, olive oil, some balsamic vinegar infused with raspberry, which is really delicious. Uh, some spices, so we got some salt. Um, I grow my own herbs, so today I'm going to be using Thai basil, oregano, and rosemary. And also I'm going to need a large bowl and a cast iron skillet. Danielle crunches up the herbs in her hand into a large silver bowl. She pours her oil on top. She slices the sweet potatoes into thin slices and pops them into the large bowl with her herbs and cranberries. So I'm going to toss it so everything gets coated in oil and there's no piece that doesn't have all of it. Starting from the side of the pan, Danielle places the sweet potatoes side by side, going into a swirl shape. So we have cooked the sweet potatoes. They're just a little bit crispy on the edges and they're soft and cooked. Now we're just gonna add some goat cheese and some of this raspberry balsamic. We're just going to pop this back in the oven and um, heat up the goat cheese, make it all nice and soft and kind of melted, and then we'll be done. I actually um, ate something like this recently. I say recently, it was October now, Thanksgiving. One of my friends made something very similar, and oh, it was good. fantastic. So I highly recommend trying that. Um, On to another poem. This is one sent from our contributor, Young Wong. So let's have a little look and listen to what she's composed. Hi, this is Young Wang. I'd love to read a couple of poems for you. The first one is titled... Believe. I wrote it in a poetry workshop organized by CNIB this fall. Here it is. Would blue sky believe in the evening? Would the fullness believe in the void? Would the right believe in the left could be right too? Would you believe in me, my love, if I tell you something true that is against your belief? Um, the second one is called My Gratitude Is. I wrote it on Thanksgiving Day for friends who helped me uh, as a person with vision loss or uh, helping East and West Learning Connections, an immigrant uh, cultural nonprofit organization I am running. Here we go. My Gratitude is a well-trans taxi that could take me anywhere in the city. A tennis game, skiing, hiking, or cycling. 
with your organizing or guiding. A helping hand or smiley hi from countless strangers passing by. A brilliant idea and precious time you offered for our connections. That was always more than my expectations. My friend, thank you for making my gratitude go everywhere in Toronto, a place I now call home. Thank you for listening, and、uh, happy holidays from my home to yours. Really lovely personalized poems there.、Um, up next is a short story from a friend of the network, Margaret Weldon. Let's check it out. Dear Kelly and Ramya family, for the last few months I've been receiving messages from audience members who are wondering what I've been up to. Well, do I ever have a story to tell? It all began on Thursday, August the twenty-fourth, when I received a message from AMI management advising me that I would be working for the Accessible Bureau of Investigations. The department that examines accommodations, carries out research, and creates shows. On the morning of August the 31st, I received my first report and assignment. Every year between September and December, all the networks become highly competitive in order to win the popular Holiday Heart Award. This year, AMI's goal was to get an exclusive interview with Elf Dave, Santa's chief elf. After spending two weeks of making phone calls and sending out email messages. I discovered I would need to go to the North Pole because none of my communications were being returned. After leaving Bumblebee in charge of my house, taking a wheel trans vehicle, a go train, an aeroplane. And a flying sled. I arrived at the North Pole. I knew that Santa would be busy preparing for his big upcoming flight in December, so I decided to find Mrs. Claus and get the answer to the question about what happened to Elf Dave. While trying to make my way to her house, I noticed there was a lot of activity going on. Some elves were in the workshop working. While others were singing in a choir. Even the baby reindeer were rehearsing their little song. Found Mrs. Claus and asked her about what happened to Elf Dave. This is what she told me. Well, he is with my husband, but he's on a very important secret mission. But they should be back in a couple of days, hopefully. With a heavy heart, I returned home and began writing my story as to why I was unable to get the interview with Elf Dave. All of the sudden, Elf Dave. Oh, hi, Margaret. You looking for me? Actually, yes, I was, Dave. We have a little issue. The Accessible Bureau of Investigations is trying to help AMI put together a film so that they can win the Holiday Heart Award. My assignment is to interview you because you're Chief Elf. So I went to the North Pole to see Mrs. Santa Claus, and she tells me that you were away. What were you doing? 
Uh, we're trying to train the uh, guard dogs we have here in the North Pole now to find uh, Jack Frost whenever he comes on the property. How do you do that? Well, it's very interesting because actually we have our elves go around dressed up like Jack Frost with his shoes and boots and coats and that, and uh, his scent as well. And then they walk around and we send the dogs out to try to track the elves. How long does it take you to do that? Uh, it takes me about a month to do that. That's why we were busy for last month and uh, you can find me at all. Well, thank you so much for your time. At least now I can file the story. Was there anything you wanted to say to anybody before we close? Well, as always, I'd like to say Merry Christmas to everybody and Happy New Year. By the way, I understand that uh, B has baked some cookies upstairs. Yeah, chocolate chip ones. Ooh, excellent. I love chocolate chip. Let's head upstairs and, get, and grab some. This is Margaret Weldon wishing everyone a very safe and happy holiday and all the best of the upcoming new year from myself and the Weldon family. Have a happy Bumble Christmas and a happy Bumble Day. Really, really sweet from Margaret there. That was fantastic. And finally, our community reporter from Dawson City in the Yukon, we have Kim Harvey who has sent in her reading of a Christmas story. By Shannon Carlson. Dedicated to all those who help animals. On a cold Christmas Eve not long ago, Jack and Sophie played outside in the snow. The air was clear, the stars were bright. Their home was the only house in sight. Jack jumped up and down and yipped near the sleigh, a sign he wanted to go run and play. Shall we go for a sleigh ride? Shannon asked with joy. The dog sled was Jack, the husky's best toy. Jack and Sophie ran through the crisp white snow, pulling fast as they both could go, smiling and laughing and dashing around, running with ease, sometimes leaving the ground. They had returned to the house to stop for the night when they heard a loud noise just out of sight. Santa was on the roof, then did say, It seems like my reindeer slid onto the bay. Eric asked, why did they slide off the roof? Santa said, my tired reindeer have sore hooves. My reindeer need rest, they can't pull the sleigh, and this is supposed to be the magical day. I don't think the children will get presents this year. There'll be no smiles, nor laughter, nor cheer. At that moment, Jack looked up in the sky. He saw a star twinkle, and he knew just why. All around him swirled the northern lights. They lifted him up to help him in flight. Then Jack spoke the words all could hear. Santa, this is a magical day, don't fear. He said, we can help. We can pull, jump, and run. We can pull your sleigh like we do for fun. The pulling is easy, Santa said with a smile. It's learning to land that takes quite a while. Shannon and Eric couldn't believe what they heard. Jack talked like a human, not a dog, frog, or bird. Dogs don't talk, Shannon said. This can't be true. Can all of our dog friends talk like Jack does too? Of course dogs can talk, Santa said. You'll see. All animals speak if you listen closely. 
Now Jack and Sophie can help me in flight. There's just one more thing that Jack needs tonight. Santa pulled from his coat a charm that glowed. He clipped it into Jack's collar and it was time to go. He said, the magic charm will lead the way. Then Santa pat Jack and climbed onto the sleigh. We need more dogs, Santa said, but who? Jack said, Axel and Vader can come with us too. Sophie said, we know how, where we can get help tonight. Our dog friends in town will help us to, in flight. So off they went with a stumble or two, though pulling Santa's sleigh was hard to do. Up over the trees with barely a sound, they landed near the animal shelter in town. They talked with Julie and she opened the doors as three dogs joined them to help them soar. Champ, Cuddles, and Hatcher were lined up for fun, though it was safer for Cuddles to sit up and not run. Wait one second, Santa again did say. We still need more dogs to help pull this sleigh. Once again, the dogs began to roam. Soon they landed on Tundra and Nika's home. Santa said, Okay, this will have to do. There's no time to waste. It's time to move. Home by home, they left gifts behind. Wonderful toys for the children to find. And through the night, they didn't forget to leave yummy, yummy treats for all of the pets. Around the world they soared through the sky, leaving gift after gift in each house they flew by, at hospitals and homes for the rich and the poor. All through the night, no children was ignored. By morning, Jack and his friends were all done. They rode back home in the bright early sun. Santa said, we're done now, it's time to rest. Jack smiled and said, this night was the best. Though I wonder about our new dog friends today. They don't have home where they can stay. Champ said, it's hard being a past Christmas pet. It's fun at first, but humans often forget. The animal shelter is a nice place to roam, but we miss having a home to call our own. Santa looked at the new rescues and said, let's see. You're welcome to stay at the North Pole with me. The North Pole has place to run and play. There are friends and games and treats each day. Thanks, Santa, Champ said. To the North Pole we go. We look forward to playing in the North Pole snow. As Santa looked down at the tired pets, he said, You all save Christmas. I won't forget. Then back to the sleigh, the reindeer happy. Santa called out to ensure they were ready. On Dasher, on Dancer, and Prancer, and Vixen. On Comet, on Cupid, and Donner, and Blitzen. Let's fly up to the sky with Rudolph too. Now wave goodbye, we'll see our friends soon. As the children woke up, 
Christmas morning. They jumped with joy and spent the day playing. The homes were full of children's smiles, and happiness filled the world for a while. The next day, as Julie opened the door, she found a note that was left on the floor. It read, Thank you for all of your kindness and care. We found a great home up north somewhere. We hope you continue your work with pets. There are some toys in the corner that we have left. Back at their home, the dogs were ready to play. It was a happy and wonderful Christmas day. Jack and Sophie ran through the fresh winter snow, making new tracks everywhere they did go. Smiling and laughing and dashing around, running with ease, sometimes leaving the ground. Flying up over the snow without fear, training in case they were needed next year. The end. Nice. Thank you to everybody who was on our showcase for this festive part of the show. And thank you, Beth, for leading us through all that. We're going to take a quick break, come back, give you that final poll question, the one you've all been waiting for, candy canes. We'll be back on Kelly and Remia. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. All right, folks, we are here for the last few seconds of the program. Now, Ramya's got one more here. She teed it up. Are you a fan of candy canes, mint or fruit flavors? Rum? Vote says seven, seven for mint, four for fruity. They came in very late. Five for neither, one for both, and one they're only used for decorations on the tree. Andy says they're yep. just a dentist workmate project. Well, that's <laughs> cruel. Uh, I'm like the tree, but I must admit, I think the fruity lean to it, but I will have a mint one. The smaller one's better than those big ones I talked about mm. that are two feet around. Rum, what a wonderful Christmas show. Everybody, thank you so much for your contributions. We really, really love doing this every year, uh, and we look forward to the new year with you, but all the efforts, especially our first year being on a television. Yeah. We want to remind you also of the primetime special on the 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. We want you to be a part of that, too. It was a lot of fun. Record it or gather around with the favorite snacks, candy canes, whatever. And that, of course, what was it, Rum? The Cocos? For sure. Oh, oh, absolutely. It's been so fun. What a year on TV. I appreciate everyone, everyone who's joined us today, who's joined us to put this thing together on a daily basis through 2023. And I'm wishing everyone a really lovely, warm, cozy, safe, relaxing holiday season also. You know what we're saying to you, ladies and gentlemen. Be safe. Take care of yourself. Settle back and enjoy whatever time you get. Now, do me a favor. Get out of here, will you? And Bye. tilt one up for us. Hosts, Kelly McDonald and Ramia Amadan. Reporter, Grant Hardy. Senior show producer, Jeff Ryman. Visual producer, Megan McGrath. Producer, Marianne Dion Jones. Graphics, Andrew Antonello. Production assistant, Kingsley Juco. Control room operators, Daniel Panamondo, Eliza Rocco, Parker Oxton. Director, Irene Solomon. Manager of live production, Paula Deneen. Manager of operations, Kyle Harper. Manager of AMI Audio, Andy Frank. Director of TV production, Kara Nye. Vice President, Content Development and Production, John Melville. President and CEO, David Arrington. Give us your feedback, 1-866-509-4545. Copyright 2023, Accessible Media
As we like to do on Christmas, our last broadcast before the holidays, we like to hear a few words from each of the individuals that we can gather together involved in this show. So we've got Jeff Ryman here. We've got Ramya Muthan, of course, Grant Hardy, Beth Deer, Irene Solomon, our director, and Megan McGraw, uh, who handles all of our visuals. Um, I'm really curious, if you guys don't mind, to hear what Megan has to say, being kind of uh, our newer person to the setup of the show and what things she has to do, what she might want to send us her Christmas message off and newest to doing our audio vanity cards. Hi, everyone. Yeah, as Kelly said, this is my first vanity. So I work on the visual effects, the graphics on the show. Um, over the next few weeks, you'll see a few little changes here and there with the show. So um, little boxes with little Christmas icons, um, snowfall in the background, a few different effects that we wouldn't usually have on the day-to-day basis. So I'm looking forward to that. And this year is my one of my first years in Canada for Christmas. So I'm not going to go back to Ireland. So it's exciting. We're going to try to pick up some new Canadian traditions along with keeping some of the old Irish t- traditions as well. So it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yay. Well, it's been absolutely wonderful having you with us, of course, this first year, us doing the TV things and the amazing things you've taught us. Also new to, to our team, but not new to AMI at all, Beth Deer. Hi, everyone. You will definitely recognize my voice because I have done many of Vanity Cards and been on Kelly and Ramya quite a few times. I really hope that everyone has the best Christmas and New Year possible. I hope everyone stays healthy and I hope you all get to consume a lot of good foods. Um, I'm a little bit sad because I'm not going to go back to England this year. and I actually haven't been back to England in quite a few years for Christmas. But I am excited because this is my first Christmas hosting. So normally we always follow my husband's family traditions when it comes to Christmas. This year I'm going to make the rules and, well, I just love making the rules. So very, (laughs) very excited about that. Have a great Christmas, everyone. (laughs) I love it. Mr. Hardy, would you like to follow up? I mean, you and Beth, of course, colleagues working over on AMI this week and now colleagues over here. Sure. Well, I would love to wish everyone happy holidays, uh, Merry Christmas, or whatever it is that you celebrate. I'll probably just have a quiet celebration with some family, uh, but looking forward to just relaxing and taking some time to unwind. It's been absolutely fantastic working on the show and looking forward to a lot more fun uh, in the new year. So have a fantastic time, guys. Thanks, Grant. It was really great having you guys really just big, big stars for the primetime special that people will be able to see over the holidays on the 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, Let's go to Irene, if you don't mind, Irene. You've done the vanity card thing, but you direct our show day to day and jumped in right from the beginning this year. You know what? I don't think I've ever worked with a more fun, engaging, entertaining group of people before. It's been an absolute pleasure. And for people who are watching out there, if you think we're having a good time, we are having a good time. There's nothing fake about it. The conversation is great. The laughs are genuine and it's wonderful. So I'm looking forward because I'm hosting Christmas Eve this year. Something new in my community. I'm Ukrainian Canadian and we normally celebrate Christmas on January 7th. But um, the government of Ukraine, for a variety of reasons, has decided to switch over to the 
can't remember which calendar it is, but anyways, we are going to be officially celebrating the 24th and the 25th, which is great, uh, but it just means I have way less time to prepare stuff. It's supposed to be a 12 course meatless dinner on the 24th, and I've invited some people who don't really have a place to go, a couple of people from Ukraine who have family still uh, back home and whose husbands are have to stay in the country. So what I wish for is for peace and justice for anyone who's been wrongly, just for bad stuff that's happening, and to remember that there are lots of good things going on in the world, and to hold your friends dear and to love your family, and all the best. Here, here, here. here. Wow. Thank you, Irene. That's beautiful. Um, and I'm going to turn to Jeffy, who has been in the senior producer role while Matt's been away on leave to take us uh, through to Rum and myself in a moment. Yeah. So Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. It's been quite the year, quite the transition, obviously, from Kelly and company on AMI-audio to now Kelly and Remya on AMI-tv and AMI-audio. I think we've learned a lot about our show, about ourselves over the past year, and it's been fantastic. What I'm looking forward to over the holiday break is it's going to be the first Christmas for my firstborn son, Austin. Um, he's just over five months old, and uh, it's going to be special uh, having his first Christmas and celebrating with both my side of the family and my wife Erin's side of the family. So that is going to be uh, really, really special, I think. Really looking forward to that, really looking forward to seeing family and friends, really looking forward to all the food that I'll be consuming. Um, so yeah, have a happy holidays and a happy new year, guys. All the sports he's consuming, even over the holidays, <laughs> it never quits. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Ramya put together and loves doing this, and, and Matt and her have had a ball for the last couple of years, our Christmas extravaganza that we always would call it over on, on uh, Kelly and company on audio. This year, the first year, Rum doing it as a, a, a TV product as well. Um, think wonderful to have you, you know, doing what you could with a lot of uncertainty and a lot of things going into for us for the first time. Yeah, Kels, um, I think that what holds this tradition for us, no matter what the situation may be, because, you know, it's not the first year that we've had to pivot, right? We had two really great years where we were able to hop into AMI's kitchen, have a live audience with us, have live performances. We've even had food demos and uh, art demos. Remember the pouring, the paint pouring? And so that was Amazing. That was excellent. And since then, we've had to pivot a couple times doing it completely remote, everybody sending in remote contributions to our Christmas show. And now on TV, first of all, all that was audio. And now we're on TV, uh, where we're thinking of visual engagement and how to get the set ready and how we want to run the show. And yet still a lot of remote contributions and people trying to join us nationally. And I enjoy it every year for what it is. Uh, some years may feel more full. Some years may feel more um, just like like a pared down version of the show. But every year we can count on contributors, guests, the uh, typical staple Christmas show, holiday show, um, con like content. And I enjoy every aspect of it. So Kudos to us every year for putting it together. And your Christmas? Kind of quiet? And my Christmas, I am hoping, as Grant said, for a very low-key, super quiet holiday, 10 days off. 
I don't think it's going to be all 10 days, though. I can already feel and sense my mother trying to get me to go with her to friends' places. So keep your fingers crossed for me that I can avoid <laughs> it. <laughs> um, to all of you, it's been a wonderful year in my from my perspective. I've just really thought that we deserve to roll this show out on TV for our contributors and the things that we can bring. It has been that learning curve, especially we look at our Christmas show and those who have been faithful to it. It, it definitely is going to be different um, when looking at it and saying, hey, you know, it's it's a bit different than, than you've had in the past. But you know what? It's the beginning. As we began the new era, everything is new and beginning to us. And all I have to do is celebrate this Christmas, looking back at what a wonderful year. Having Beth and Grant join the team on the levels they have, have stepped up the game of professionalism in our sound. What uh, we are able to bring with Megan, Irene, and the rest of the control room people and all the people who kind of just tell us, go ahead, do what you want to do. Bring the great content. Uh, we we appreciate that from them as well. So Fedora's off to everybody. That's it. Uh, have a great Christmas. Please be safe. Be back with us in the new year. Uh, we're waving at you and everybody. Uh, what is it we say at this time? Merry, um, Merry Christmas, I think is the term. Take care, everybody. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.